Well, it was the 4th of July. I think I might offer my thoughts on the 4th of July during the show. It occurs to me that many of us were conflicted about whether or not to celebrate the 4th of July, whether to feel the same kind of patriotism, even lazy patriotism, unconsidered national pride that we have allowed ourselves or reveled in, allowed ourselves to feel in previous years. It is my hope that we will be willing to celebrate our country. Not because of our sins. We should hate the evil that our country has done. We should acknowledge it. We should cure it. Each generation should work to battle oppression a bit better than the generation prior. To me, the only story that helps make America worth rooting for is understanding this country as a redemption story. Trying to redeem from religious bigotry, trying to redeem from being ruled by a king, trying to redeem from slavery, trying to redeem from misogyny, trying to redeem from Jim Crow, trying to redeem from annihilation of Native American communities, and that the redeeming quality is our democracy. And if we don't celebrate at least that part, if we cede entirely all of the national rhetorical architecture, if we allow only those who want to cover over our, our immoral past, if we, or worse, if we cede that territory to those who want to celebrate it, then the power of this nation, the architectural, the, the uh, philosophical power of this country, the symbolic power of this country, will be turned over to forces of darkness rather than forces of the future. Let's get to news with my dad. And now it is time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the line, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? Well, I appreciated what you just had to say about the fourth. And uh, I, would, I would hope that we might have some of our listeners text in their thoughts on that subject this morning because that's, that's been much on my mind also. This is a show where we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's that important, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have two, actually. One, a, a, a joint shout-out. The joint shout-out is for Maya Moore, the Women's National Basketball Association star, who sat out a, a whole season because of her efforts to free Jeremy Irons, who was convicted of attempted murder when he was 16 years old, tried as an adult and given a 50-year sentence, insisted on his, his innocence, and many years later convinced a judge that the trial, I think quite, quite accurately convinced a judge that the trial 
was uh, was manipulated to produce a conviction. He he could have been eligible for parole if he was willing to admit he did it, but he, he said, no, I'm not going to admit I did it because I didn't. Anyway, so she was successful in getting him out, but I also want to shout out for Jeremy Irons, who she got out, who, when asked how he felt about the alleged victim who had been manipulated into identifying him in a photo array and then identified him in the trial, who instead of condemning his alleged victim, he said the victim was victimized twice, once by whoever actually was the shooter, and the other by the cops who manipulated him into making the wrong identification. Uh, and, and forgiveness like that just blows my mind. And then the other shout-out I want to make, I want to shout-out for LeBron James and Maverick Carter, who have started the Spring Hill Media to provide a forum for ignored or underserved creative artists. They've already raised $100 bucks to go with it. Quite remarkable, quite remarkable. Well, Dad, Kanye West is running for president. Yeah, he, he says he is. I'll believe it when I see it. But that Kanye West, for a really bright guy, is an idiot. I, I don't know that I would adopt either of those uh, descriptors <laughs> as my first. I do. The reason I, the reason I worry. Well, I'll just I'll just quote my wife. I'll just cite my wife. The reason I worry about critiquing him too badly is that it seems that he he suffers from some mental illness. Uh, the first response that I would take on what I want to do to get in on uh, to get in on this topic is not to focus really on Kanye West as a person, but to focus on the political dynamic. And the most important political dynamic, the, the first response I saw was something like, hey folks, this is a serious thing. You can't you don't have a president because you think it might be an interesting way to garner attention. That that sort of helped us get in the mess we're in right now. Another take was that if Kanye West were able to get, well, I'll save that one. I'll save that one. The question is, would he siphon off votes? Would he be a third? Would he be a, an African-American Ralph Nader uh, and change the election dynamic for Joe Biden? He can't, he cannot compete seriously for the presidency already. It's already too late to compete seriously for the presidency. He, there are six states that amounts to over 100 electoral votes he can't get on the ballot in those six states. There's another four states that amount to another about 65 electoral votes that he's essentially going to be impossible for him to get on the ballot, which means he'd have, I think he's going to have, he'd have to win 270 out of, I think, 325 electoral votes to actually be the president. He'd have to almost sweep the remaining states to be the president. So he can get two things out of this. He can get uh, more attention which he has a one thing he shares with the current president is they have a superpower for garnering attention. Somehow he's been able to convince people that Yeezys are, you know, shoes that are uh, the, the shoes everybody should get. And he has and he can help his friend. He's he's worn a MAGA hat on multiple times. He has a chance to help Donald Trump be reelected if he could in key states win. Dad, have you looked into what it would take for him to get on the ballot? I have not, but but I can read a calendar, and I I uh, obviously 
obviously, whether this is a sane person looking for a for publicity, or as you said, guest, maybe somebody who just has a is developing some mental problems. We don't know, but uh, Reuters had a good piece. But I did look into it. The uh, Reuters had a good piece on it. Essentially, he has two choices. One is he could try to find a third party on whose ballot to get on. Right. This was Ralph Nader was not a Green Party member his whole life. He became a Green Party member so that he could get on the ballot in a bunch of states. And and the Libertarians, which would be the likely place for him to go, already have a candidate who, by the way, is a woman who. Uh, is uh, apparently sympathetic to the QAnons. So the other pathway is for him to try to build a field campaign in a whole bunch of states to gather a whole bunch of signatures. And you might be able to buy that kind of thing. It seems most likely you could buy that kind of thing if he had major political party support. For instance, the Republicans or people you know, sort of adjacent to the Republicans might be able to help get him on the ballot. Uh, if he could get the evangelicals, for instance, they might be able to help get him on the ballot. But him getting on the ballot in a bunch of states, getting on the ballot in enough states to, again, compete for the presidency, that's a chimera. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's possible. The, the question is, and here's where it maintains some possible relevance and not just a, wow, look at that uh, kind of relevance, is that if he could in Wisconsin, if he could in Florida, if he could in Michigan, but he'd have to really hurry, if he could in, a, you know, let's call it 10 to 12 either battleground states or borderline battleground states, if he could uh, garner three or four percentage points, five percentage points, he might impact the dynamic of the race in those states. Here's my counter, though, that given how friendly he has been to Donald Trump, that it is not clear that, this, that, you know, five years ago, 2015, they did a poll on Kanye West and his favorability was higher among Democrats than it was among Republicans. His favorability was higher among, uh, it was, was relatively high among black Americans. His favorability now among Democrats is very low. His favorability among Trump supporters is higher. Kanye West uh, might, and this is my take on the Perot race as well, that, that I think people mistake history when they think that Ross Perot threw the election to Bill Clinton. Some think that uh, he actually made things even better for Bill Clinton. I think it was roughly a wash. I think the best polling that is demonstrated, best exit polling analysis that's been done on Perot's candidacy says he probably took about even from both. I think that Kanye West's candidacy is not something to freak out about. I don't think, I think it is something to, uh, I think critiquing the nature of political engagement is something that seems like attention garnering rather than problem solving. I think that's worth discussing, but I don't think we have to be afraid of a Kanye West presidential bid as much as some people were at the very moment it was announced. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. I w- I would be surprised if uh, if he pulled any any meaningful Democratic votes and. Uh, and I would be surprised if he pulled any meaningful vote at all, simply because people are not, I don't think people are going to see him as a potential president. Ralph Nader got votes from folks who really did see him as a potential president. He, of course, will be remembered in history. I think most, not for his his taking on Ford Motor and the Ford Motor Company and their dangerous automobile, but for electing 
George W. Bush. Uh, but West, uh, but but he certainly has managed to get himself some significant publicity, which for people in the entertainment business is probably always good. And, and let's be clear, if he had started earlier and or if he had, I, I say or, not even and or, uh, or he had the backing of a field effort and or he had the backing of an existing political party uh, and he had a, a, a reasonably qualified campaign team. And I don't mean somebody, people who've necessarily done a whole bunch of mainstream uh, electoral activities but just people who are aware enough of all the deadlines, aware enough of everything that's going on, if he had all the pieces in place. And, and, I, and who's to say it is impossible for him to get that, right? I mean, somebody with enough money uh, could buy it. Well, there is, there, is, there is one potential place for money, and that's Elon has come out in support of him. So, and I think because I think he would appeal to a number of people. And that particular category of folks who can't bring themselves socially or can't bring themselves morally to support Trump, uh, but in their hearts might not mind Donald Trump winning. I think that kind of candidate, I think that he also is, I mean, it, he, to this day, if he shows up at a college campus, if he shows up at a historically black university, right, as he has done with saying, oh, I'm going to do, do some rap and some prayer, I mean, he will pack the joint. So he could, and if he had the pieces in place, if he could be, as Ross Perot was, as Ralph, Ralph Nader was, if he could get enough seriousness, enough gravity to be able to get into debates, for instance, I do think he would impact the dynamic of the race a lot. I've said for a long time that the way, that the biggest threat to me, and this has been before COVID-19, the biggest threat to me of Donald Trump winning was that there are two primary threats of Donald Trump winning re-election. One is manipulation of the election. That includes voter suppression, probably most importantly, but not limited to voter suppression. And second would be a third-party candidacy that carved votes away from you know, the traditional center-left coalition in the United States that we call the Democratic Party, at least in general elections. And, and Kanye West has enough fame, has enough resource, has enough charisma that he could change the dynamic. But I offer those two, and so there's enough reason for that. I, I empathize for why people... We're starting to freak out about it a little bit. The two things I will offer just to calm you a little bit, at least a little bit, are one, understanding that his primary support is different than Ralph Nader's primary support. And by primary, I mean his main support is different than that. It's not dying the wool uh, lefties who are looking for an alternative. And second, that it might be too late for him to do some of that stuff. I will give you a, a far-out scenario. Suppose he is able to find an existing party that would be willing to nominate him and would nominate as his vice presidential candidate, Elon Musk. Now, what that then, I think, constitutionally would allow, would allow Elon to spend as much money as he wanted on the campaign. So you could have a billion dollars spent on the campaign, and that could make a difference. Well, Your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts, I feel today less likely to buy a Tesla than I felt. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's very far out, but, but Elon has come out and supported him. Well, let's move along, Dad. Let's move along. Should we talk, you want to start with politics? Sure. Okay, well, politics, I think you, we should mention 
the despicable speeches that DDT made at Mount Rushmore, and then the following night at the D.C. fireworks, in which this guy who says he's going to bring things together did everything he possibly could to continue to expand the gulf between his base and the folks who are not part of his base. Vice President, that that again, I would think we it might be really neat to have some kind of a pool for our listeners to send in not their preferences, but their prediction as to who is who Biden is going to propose to be his vice presidential candidate. I see. Yeah, if people have, if, if people have your prediction, Dad, Dad, you just you just violated, by the way, the rules of who wants to be a millionaire. If you ask people for their input and then you taint the sample, you do in fact taint the sample. But go ahead and say your thing. But let me say nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. Who do you think will be? Not who do you think should be. You can offer that too if you'd like. But who do you think will be? Joe Biden's vice presidential pick, 971-220-5979. Go ahead. Okay, well, as I was about to say, uh, this is is not a prediction, although I am increasingly thinking it would make a lot of sense, and that would be Tammy Duckworth, who who just brings a a whole lot to the table, not not just her very smart mind, but the fact that she is considered a person of color, and the fact that she is a decorated uh, military person, and and she's just really sharp. And it something that she did is, is doing right now. She is trying to put a hold on any promotions. I think for the entire military, but maybe just for the army, until there is a confirmation from Esper the the uh, Secretary of Defense, that the defense is not going to hold back the normal promotion that uh, Soderman, Lindman rather, should expect because uh, of his testimony about the Ukraine telephone call. That's really interesting to see. Amy Klobuchar pulled out saying that it should be a woman of color. It's kind of fun to watch. Uh, I, I I will make a prediction to somebody who is not going to be. I do not think it will be Stacey Abrams, but a very interesting idea has has been floated, which I find intriguing, is that she might make a really good candidate for Attorney General. What do you think about that? Not in a position to evaluate. Uh, the Although I could also imagine there's a lot of candidates for Attorney General. It's interesting uh Stacey Abrams got so much heat uh, early on, got so much heat. But I feel about Stacey Abrams in a similar way I feel about Better or Work, uh, similar to how I feel uh, even about, heck, how I felt about Bernie Sanders when there is a candidate who does very, very well in a particular context. Not that they have a ceiling in talent. That's not what I mean. But they end up getting this enormous outpouring of support based on a particular campaign. Not only because who they are, not only because how wonderful and how smart, and how charismatic, how inspiring they might be, but also because how much the, their supporters want to beat the opponent, how much they want to beat Ted Cruz in the uh, circumstance of Better O'Rourke, 
And in Stacey Abrams' case, how awesome it would be to win a uh, to win a seat in the in the Deep South, uh, and to have a Democrat win again in the South, and not because of racism, but in spite of it. Uh, that and I think that is a different context than the next than the context for being vice president. But I have no opinion about who should be the next attorney general. Other political stuff. I think I think that well. Uh, Carly Fiorina has come out for Biden. Uh, I don't know how much influence that will have, but I think she probably remembers how DDT made fun of her appearance. Mary's book. This is kind of a political news. Mary's book is going to come out after all. The district judge was put it on hold, and the appellate judge said, no, no, you can't put that on hold. And the books are already out there, so Mary's tell-all is going to come out, and, of course, all the publicity Scott is going to make Mary a lot of money, which she may wind up having to pay to DDT for violating some some confidentiality agreement, but that, that'll be interesting to watch. The there, there apparently has been some serious voter fraud in Patterson, New Jersey for, for city council, where a couple of challengers apparently <laughs> Got a whole bunch of, of phony of mail-in ballots, which will be grist for the mill for DDTs and the other folks. And Steve Bannon is sucking up to the president again, hoping to get back into the to the inner circle, which will be interesting to see. And uh, and Kushner may be in a little trouble, although because he's family, probably not a whole lot of trouble. But it's the the machinations of the Court, the court of DCT. I'm just looking forward to not having to think about it four months from now. Article in Newsweek. It is looking increasingly likely that Joe Biden can beat President Donald Trump. I am reminded, though, of something. Dad, do you remember about this time? In fact, I think it was August. What the polls showed between Michael Dukakis and George Bush the Elder. Yeah, Dukakis was going to win, and then. Then along came Willie Horton, and that was that. Dukakis was up 17 points. Dukakis was up 17 points in at least one poll in late summer, at right after the Democratic National Convention. Now, that was with the benefit of the convention bump, and it's unclear if there will be that kind of convention bump this year. And Biden has not been the beneficiary of any convention bump up to now. But that, that suggests anybody who thinks they're at this point ready to predict the winner of the presidential campaign is not paying attention to history. That said, the, uh, if you were to carry this forward, there is still the interesting thing about this article and it's the headline and the, bio, or the, the lead how Trump could lose the election and still remain president lays out a scenario that, uh, that Donald Trump could if he it starts out with Biden winning the popular vote carries key swing states but not by overwhelming margins then Trump declares that voting was rigged that there was mail-in ballot fraud which Donald Trump has already claimed he's already claimed there's mail-in ballot fraud and not only has that not been demonstrated in history but there haven't been any ballots cast saying also the Chinese are behind a plan to provide fraudulent mail-in ballots and other election hacking and then he calls Biden soft on China, delivers his narrative claiming the Chinese have interfered in the United States election. 
Trump says it's a major national security issue. He invokes emergency powers, directs the Justice Department to investigate, and that legal justification for the presidential powers he invokes has already been developed, it's already been issued by, uh, by Bill Barr. The investigation goes towards December 14th, the deadline by which each state, by when I should say, each state's electoral college electors must be appointed. This is the very issue that the Supreme Court uh, harped on in Bush versus Gore in ruling in that election, thus forbidding further counting in Florida ballots. And then all four swing states have Republican control of both their upper and lower houses of the state legislature. Those state legislatures can refuse to allow electoral college slates to be certified until the national security investigation is complete. The Democrats will, of course, begun legal action. The appointment of the Biden slate of electors, they'll argue that Trump has manufactured a national security emergency in order to create this chaos. It goes to the Supreme Court, but then, uh uh-oh, that's something else we want to talk about because part of my paranoia was the early cases by by early opinions by Justice Roberts were to build credibility for his later cases. And that's already starting to happen. That's my paranoia speaking, but I don't think I'm I don't think I'm shockingly off. And then sure enough, on December 14th, Electoral College must deadline must be met. National security powers authorize him to investigate potential foreign country in uh, intrusion. Excuse me. If no Electoral College slate can be certified, Electoral College has to meet anyway. Electoral College meets. But then each delegation casts one vote which is determined by the majority of representatives in that state. And guess what? Four of those key swing states are double-barreled controlled by Republicans. Currently, there are 26 states that have majority Republican House delegations. 23 have majority Democratic delegations. And then the Republicans have a 26 to 24 delegation majority. One state has an evenly split delegation. So even if the, the Democrats hold that all together, the Republicans win 26-24 Donald Trump remains president. So that's even that is that is a less and this is Newsweek. This is not, you know, Palmer Report or some, you know, just sort of crazy making scenario. Uh, It might be a little bit crazy making, but it's not without any basis. So this is this is not just the president trying to get generals to to enable a coup. This is not just this is not just the New York Times uh, reporters concern. Well, what if he got a neighboring governor to give him National Guard troops to ring around the White House after the election and just refuse to leave. This is, in fact, just investigating and delaying and then getting state legislatures to make the decision. So what do you think about that, Pop? Well, there there is a professor who's reported in this morning's news who's, who gives a 91% chance for DDT to be reelected. <laughs> oh, please. Please, Canada, Canada, Canada begins to look attractive. The other other political news, I think it's worth mentioning that the House Intel Republicans are boycotting the House Intel Committee hearings because they say they should it should, it should not be done by Zoom. It should have to be in person. I don't know what it is they think they're going to go. And Claudia Conway... 15 years of age. She's gone with her husband, rather, rather with her father, rather than her mother, in her opinion on DDT. Did you catch that? I don't know if I did. That's that's Kellyanne's daughter, and she is 
she is does not like the president. We got a question. Why do scientists such as Dr. Fauci need permission from the White House to speak to public media? Do they not have free speech? Is KG asked that question? Well, I mean, you have a, you have free speech in your gig as well, uh, but if you but you also might get canned. And in this circumstance, he not only is concerned about uh, what the president might do if he doesn't have permission. If Fauci goes on, goes off and starts speaking, well, is he concerned that the president might uh, dismantle the task force, might not invite him to press conferences? One supervisor has any number of abilities to make one's life better or worse other than just firing them. So he tries to do his job, and that includes trying to work with the president rather than against the president. It's one of the reasons I don't think all the trust can be put in anybody who works for the current occupant of the White House. Uh, Dad, Portland has begun charter review. The mayor has announced the Charter Review Commission will be put together. And I'm going to ask you about this. I want to ask you about your thoughts on redistricting and, or excuse me, district-based city councilors. And they uh, they are going to select each commissioner gets to say each city commissioner gets to select four members of the public to serve on the Charter Review Commission. Those 20 total members, four times five, those 20 total members will put charter reform on the ballot. And that can include any number of things. And the mayor has requested that it be and suggested that it include changing the city form of government, either to form a strong mayoralty or as having a strong mayor or as having a city manager, as having sort of an unelected king in charge of the city. Uh, Amanda Fritz and Joanne Hardesty said that they didn't think they should weigh in on what the commission, what the Charter Commission decides to take up and decides to uh, put on the ballot any initial thoughts that you have about the Charter Commission or about how broad or narrow should be their charge? Well, the two elements in the room, of course, are the question as to whether or not we should continue to elect city council persons at large so that everybody on the commission represents or at least theoretically represents everybody in the city and whether or not we should do away with the system where the commissioners are in charge of bureaus. And what I would say is if you do either of those, you should almost certainly do both of those. Particularly, the last thing you would want to do is to change the selection so that you are running from just a portion of the city and yet still running a bureau that was responsible for the entire city because inescapably the uh, the services would tend to gravitate toward that commissioner's district so so, so those are the two things uh, i would uh, i would kind of like to be able to serve on that commission because i think i think uh, you can apply all you all you got to do is convince. All you got to do is convince a uh, convince convince a city commissioner to appoint you, uh, and you could and you could sit on that commission. What are your thoughts? The uh, 
my um oh, I was looking for this. Oh, by the way, we got another one. Uh somebody saying they want Tammy Duckworth for vice president. Great league conservation voters score. I didn't know that part. Gutsy tra- Trump can't make fun of her as he does other candidates. I don't know that I I don't know that I uh, agree with that last sentence. I, I'm not yet ready to say that Trump can't make fun of somebody. But with the caveat of as he does other candidates, it would certainly have a different kind of impact. The text line here is 971-220-5979. I have, I have absolutely total confidence. I mean, total confidence in DD's, DDT's ability or willingness, I should say, to make fun of anybody. But I have a hard time imagining his making fun of her, not boomeranging to his deficit. About the charter review process, for a long time, the change to the city charter to get rid of our current, the commission form of government, the Galveston model, the argument has been made almost entirely by large financial power in the city generally fueled by developers who want to make it easier to get projects greenlit, generally easier to lobby the city council if you don't have to go and find three votes for something. But you can just, most of the stuff, you can just get the mayor to go ahead and do it. And there's and generally the mayor is one of the more conservative members uh, of the city council, not every time, but most times uh, it tends to be a little more conservative and tends to have a little closer relationships to some of the uh, major elements of industry in town. And that was almost always where the force was coming. It wasn't until I noticed in 2012 when there was in the wake of that election, the Oregonian, who, of course, has close relationships with a big industry in our town, started taking a different different tack, started making the argument that if we broke down the city into districts, it would diversify. It could diversify the city council. It could give East Portland. We had made a big issue of the lack of representation from East Portland in so many ways, and that and that helped put that issue on the map and made that a much bigger discussion in the city. Really, for the, the eight years since, and the argument was, and Brad uh, Brad Schmidt did an article and said, "Oh, look at how few donors there are," and it was, it was a good article. Uh, how few donors there are east of 82nd Avenue. And I had, I had seen that same thing. And I think in my legislative district back in the day, I think there were, there were zero Democrats, I think. There might have been one, but I think until Jeff Merkley started, there were zero Democrats who gave the federal maximum to Barack Obama. And I think there were two Republicans. Any other district, there's a lot more max donors. There's just not a lot of money there. Not a lot of people as engaged in political contributing for some obvious reason. And they said, well, if we start dividing it up by districts, you might have better representation of more diverse uh, representation in City Hall. Amanda Fritz, though, made an argument that is an interesting one. She said that the city's new public campaign financing program. So, so anyway, ever since then, and now you have the city club pile on. And so now there is there not only kind of the kind of white wealth that's been pushing for a strong mayor system, but also people who want a more diverse city council and pushing for a change to the system. However, Amanda Fritz's point was that the city's new public campaign financing program might already be addressing some of those criticisms. For instance, uh, Carmen Rubio used public funding and became the first uh, Latina woman elected to the city council. Loretta Smith is also using public financing and facing off against Dan Ryan, a gay white man. Remember, that election is August 11th, folks. Remember August 11th? You know, it's in a month from now. Holy mackerel. 
uh, and another an, uh, and another publicly funded candidate, African American Mingus Maps, is forced to run off against Chloe Daly, also funded with public funding. There is a there is a meaningful chance that, in fact, I think right now it's likely that we will have majority people of color city council in Portland, and that is under the current system. So I don't know whether that will take any of the fuel out of the fire for changing the form of government. But when it's easy to criticize this form of government when people realize, well, actually, does this mean giving Ted Wheeler or maybe Sarah Anarone uh, more dictatorial powers over the city? Or does it mean not having very not having electoral accountability, not being able to go? Because right now, if you want to complain about something, you can get a meeting with the city councilor. You can see them at a town hall meeting. You can complain about what's happening with the water bureau. Uh, but if it's done by a city manager, they have a significant layer of protection. And that layer of protection is they would have to be outvoted by a majority of the city council. And like when was the last time that you met with the head of DAS in the state of Oregon? I don't know that you know what DAS is. Some of you do because we have really smart listeners, but you probably haven't met this person. We might not remember who the current head of DAS is. I don't know who the current head of DAS is, uh, and they wield a lot of influence as sort of the bureau that runs bureaus in the in the state government. So that's one of the counter arguments. Anyway, this is going to be it's going to be a major issue. Won't doesn't look like it would get put to the ballot until like 2022, but. The shape of the commission, who the county commissioners, the county, the city councilors, excuse me, city councilors appoint to be a part of that charter review commission will have a huge impact on whether or not they kick out a proposal and what proposal they kick. There's going to be a significant debate about this. I think it probably will get to the ballot. I think that there will be enough force. I think the mayor will send four uh, charter commissioners who will all push hard to make sure that that kind of charter reform is put out on the ballot, right? Because just to be clear, just so I and I know I'm saying a lot, but let me be clear about this: the uh, that charter commission, that charter review commission, there they can lay out any number of issues that go to the charter. How we got campaign finance reform is that those of us who are pushing for campaign finance reform went to the charter review commission for the county and got campaign finance reform put on the ballot by the county. Now. So the city, any number of things could be put on. Whether this issue, whether changing the city's former government is put on, is going to be determined by those commissioners. And therefore, the selection of those commissioners is going to be really important. Dad, any response to that, or what do you got next? Well, the uh, while, while we're talking about city council kind of stuff, I think it's worth mentioning what's happening in Gresham. The uh, Gresham is kind of a mess. They, we have, everybody resigned, including the police chief, and the police chief is unresigned. And now there's, there are claims by at least one city council person that the mayor who resigned and who had been looked upon as a, a comer in the Republican Party, although less of a comer because he was labeled a moderate and there are not a whole lot of moderates left in the Republican Party. But anyway, that uh, he was he was had machinations to try to get rid of the police chief. It's just. It, it, we, we really need to get somebody who is more expert than I pretend he could even pretend to be on what's happening in Gresham on the air to see what they have to tell us what's going on out there. All right, Dad, what's coming up on the Supreme Court? Well, what's coming up is uh, maybe and maybe not. Are they are they going to come in with an opinion before they re- go on their historic uh, historically usual 
vacation, which usually happens at the end of the month, are, are they going to rule on the power on various powers of the president and various powers of Congress to do something about the president, president particularly going after his tax records by both the House of Representatives and New York? Uh, what are they going to do about the Electoral College, whether or not somebody has can freely vote his or her conscience, regardless of how the voters of his or her state voted on the uh, on the presidential election. Very interesting. The the something something I've had on my list for a little while that I think is worth mentioning. They left intact. They they declined to hear the case on water rights in the Klamath Basin in Oregon. So the Ninth Circuit had ruled that the tribes had senior rights on the water, and so the Supreme Court declining to hear it, that's the law. So the tribes do have senior rights down there. They they ruled that uh, the president can fire the Consumer Protection Bureau administrator, and I think it's only a matter of hours, maybe days, and certainly no more than weeks that that happens. But it's very interesting. If Joe Biden is re-elected, rather, if he is, is elected, the Supreme Court has made it very clear that he can fire anybody he wants. And so what is now looked upon as a victory for the conservatives could turn out not to be so much of a victory. But but that's a very interesting question as to why why is it that Congress should not have the right when they create a bureau and the, and the president signs it and therefore agrees to the language of it that says the head of that bureau, once appointed, can only be fired for misconduct. I have a hard time finding how the Supreme Court could really with a straight face, say that violated the separation of powers. Because if if Congress does something and the president agrees to it, it seems to me that that's fair. But anyway, they, uh, they, they may decide on whether or not an employer has the right to refuse coverage, health coverage for contraception because of religious beliefs. And they have delayed hearing access, giving whether or not uh, Congress should have access to the Mueller information, especially to the Mueller grand jury information, until probably next January. And I, I think that uh, that, that that's uh, probably kind of a straw in the wind that there is a majority there to to hold against the president and they don't want to hold against the president before the election, but we will see. And they declined to review the case bourgeois, however it's pronounced, versus Barr on on capital punishment, which be quite a case the of a bourgeois 60, about sixty uh, killings by the government. According to the Hill, they listed what they thought were the five biggest cases Supreme Court still needs to rule on. And by the way, one of them just got ruled upon this morning, and I'll say what that is right after I get through the list. So one is uh, on Trump's financial records. Uh, another, is, and that's, that's a big, big one. 
another is the Obamacare contraception mandate. Uh, number three was re- religious exemptions from discrimination suits. And number four was native sovereignty in Oklahoma. And number five was faithless electors. And this morning, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled that states can penalize faithless electors. The members of the Electoral College who do not support the winner of their state's popular vote in a presidential election. So states can re- essentially require that electors follow instructions and not allow electors to go off and do what they want to do. So that just uh, happened this morning, Pop. Does, so so they, they can find them. And of course, that, that came because Washington will find their... Uh, there, the elector that went off on his own, uh, I think it was a thousand bucks. But, but uh, does the does the elector still have the ability to have his or her vote counted? And because he or she is willing and able to pay the fine, I wonder if the if the opinion had any dicta. No, I can't imagine. I'd be really surprised. Uh, why the pres- the 2016 election saw 10 electors vote for someone other than their chosen candidate. 32 states in Washington, D.C. require electors to cast electoral college votes for the winner of the popular vote within that state. Uh, before 2016, you hadn't had a modern presidential election ever have more than one faithless elector. Uh, that prompted states to move ahead with the legal challenge. And now they can penalize, in those 32 states plus Washington, D.C., they can penalize those who go off the script. While we're talking about courts, by the way, it might just be worth mentioning, did you see that that the Association of Immigration Judges are suing, are suing their boss, are suing the government for, for not adequately supporting them? That'll be kind of an interesting one to keep our eye on. International. Can we talk a little bit about international? And uh, uh, by the way, I, I hope we get Tim this morning because there's some international stuff that I really want to hear what his opinion is on. And that's that's uh, what what are the implications of Macron appointing a new prime minister? And Brexit appears being headed for a no deal Brexit. Boy, that'll be really really a mess. And DDT plus 35 other Americans have been indicted by Iran. Now, of course, the likelihood of their ever being able to arrest DDT small because he will be careful, even if he is defeated, he will be careful never to travel to Iran or to any other country that might like Iran better than us and would be willing to extradite him. But those 35 other folks... It's probably going to curtail their travel plans for a while. They would not want to go to a country where they might be arrested and extradited. And under international law, I think a very good case could be made that DCT was guilty of murder when he told the drone force to kill the, the Iranian leader last year. Israelis, are they going to annex? There's four scenarios, four different scenarios, all of which would would actually in, result in some annexation. Hard to hard to make an argument that the annexation does not violate the charter that they received from the UN. And we need to remember that 
Israel was created by the UN, so flouting rules of the UN, the UN is kind of biting the hand that fed you. Do you have any you have any insight what you think is going to happen with that? Nope. The Pope has published Journey for the Care of the Common Home, which is a, a another major statement on the environment. It's kind of a follow-up to the Laudator that he issued five years ago. And he's also admonished priests who are ignoring COVID warnings that he calls them adolescents. They need to fall in line and what's he telling them? Masks priests, social distancing priests, no no choir singing without masks priests. Very interesting. And uh, he really cares about the environment with his the care of the common home. And while we're talking about the environment, Europe, Europe countries in May registered, and in, in June especially, registered lots of temperatures over 90, which usually doesn't happen, sometimes doesn't happen at all. Siberia has registered over 100 degrees in some places, and there's real fear of what's happening to the permafrost in north of the Arctic, especially in Siberia, and go to the other end of the globe and the increase in the average temperature in Antarctica has increased three times faster than the global average in the last 30 years. And the reason, of course, that's significant is because there's just a whole lot of ice on Antarctica, which if it winds up going into the ocean, may make our beach house really, truly waterfront in his fourth of july speech dad we haven't talked about that but it seems like we ought to before it's time to move along in his fourth of july speech trump targeted the radical left he held his second annual salute to america event on the south lawn of the white house on the fourth the day before that he was in front of uh, mount rushmore the speech was meant to commemorate the military but also included criticism of what he called the radical left here is a clip There were no tests for a new virus, but now we have tested almost 40 million people. By so doing, we show cases, 99% of which are totally harmless. Results that no other country can show because no other country is testing that we have, not in terms of the numbers or in terms of the quality. Trump also announced the creation of a new National Garden of Heroes. The president condemned protesters who took down statues commemorate statues, excuse me, commemorating uh, Confederate leaders. And the, notably, the crowd was mostly maskless. That what is the narrative implied by a garden that features statues of both George Washington and Frederick Douglass? Uh, what is the power that monuments hold in telling or retelling history? Well, there, there, is, there is a power there, and this is very recognized. Yesterday, the 14-foot statue of Columbus that was dedicated by Ronald Reagan when he was president uh, in Massachusetts was pulled, in, pulled down and dumped, in, dumped into the, to the water. Uh, I, 
I really do not like the vandalizing of statues, but the removal, not 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 necessarily the elimination, but the removal of statues to an appropriate place where their true significance, the true significance of the person that they commemorate, is reported, appeals to me. So, so for example, you wouldn't get rid of the current monument in Arlington Cemetery to the Confederacy that shows a black woman holding the baby, obviously in deference to a Confederate officer. You wouldn't eliminate that. You'd put it somewhere where you could then also have a thing to read that explained how that monument came to be and what it commemorated and how awful it was, uh, what it represented. Uh, The same with Columbus. Columbus did not believe, did not convince the folks that the world was round. The folks who said he shouldn't take off on his trip were not because they thought the world was flat. It was because they thought the world was too big for him to make it to India before they ran out of water and starved. And, of course, they were absolutely right. Had he not run into the West, uh, into the Americas, the, if, if he had survived the mutiny which was brewing, his crew clearly would not have survived. And he was a horrible genocidal, genocidalist. So removing Columbus statues to a place where the whole story could be told seems to me worthwhile. And, and while we're talking about that, I am really intrigued and find attractive the idea of replacing the Columbus Day holiday for Juneteenth. Do you have any thoughts about that? And I'd be interested in what our, 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 reader, our listeners might have on that. Columbus Day, we already in Portland celebrate uh, Indigenous, Indigenous Peoples Day, yeah? So I yes. guess... So I, I guess I would keep doing that and amplify that nationally. Uh, I do think more and more, as more and more players are doing, I think as the city of Portland did this year, uh, having official recognition of Juneteenth uh, is a capital idea, and I think we ought to do it. Uh, several groups of right-wing militias flocked to Gettysburg. I'm not sure if you saw that on the 4th of July. To stop? Oh, yeah, they did to, to, stop, to stop because there were there's supposedly a bunch of Antifas who were going to come and burn flags. And it was all a hoax promoted by promoted by somebody who uh, who sleuths have not been able to find. Each time something like this happens, I am reminded, and I never remember the guy's name, but the uh, the communications director for Vladimir Putin who sets up false fights, who goes up and sets up, you know, something like Antifa and something like Proud Boys and their own version of it in Ukraine or another place, and then creates this illusion of uh, this illusion of debate, but then also making the kind of debate look like the kind of thing that most people wouldn't want to be a part of. And it's part of a sort of advanced propaganda effort. Every time something like this happens, I think about that. But the other, this was the Left Behind USA. That was the Facebook page that created it. Uh, it is rumored to have been created by, uh, then people went out and said, oh, that was created by Antifa, but Antifa is not a group. It's not an organization. Uh, the, uh, uh, and, and, uh, but people who call themselves Antifa said we were not even remotely involved. 
Uh, let them give each other COVID. We'll be home with our families. Dad, the question I've got is, do you think that now finally that their advertisers pulling their ads from Facebook, that will put on enough financial pressure to get Facebook to start reviewing the content that they circulate? I hope so, because when, when at first, you know, there were, there were some premier name companies, but just a few of them, but, it, but apparently the, the count is up to something like 800, and that's, that's got to have a very significant effect. Ghislaine, I'm saying Ghislaine Maxwell was taken into custody on July 2nd. She will face charges. 20 armed agents and police went into the early morning operation at her New Hampshire rural retreat. She was handcuffed and taken away. She's been accused of grooming underage victims for sexual abuse by Jeffrey Epstein and his Confederates. Uh, Following his death, some speculated that Maxwell had moved either to Los Angeles or maybe even Paris. Uh, Pop, is this case going to make it to court? Uh, Do you have any speculations, hopes, or fears about who it might uncover? There are uh, there was the big issue of the tapes that uh, that Epstein had that went missing. Uh, There's some speculation that she might have those tapes. Any thoughts about what the next shoe to drop might be? I'm just watching with interest. I also have to say that that I find this something that we maybe should admit is in the overall scheme of things not very important, except except to the extent that it really that it does touch people of real influence and real power. And I powerfully the, disagree. Yeah, the power figures it, and no, no, I, I powerfully so, the closest they've come so far is someone who is well down in the lineup to become the king of england and who who really has uh, no real influence or no real power but it's just something it's something to watch with with bemusement i i totally disagree i feel no bemusement nor do i feel lack of gravity uh, nor do i think it's only about prince andrew uh, i am not only because countless women were harmed but also because I think that this does touch into a culture of blackmail, which is impacting the entire national discussion and that we haven't come to grips sufficiently with. I think that that culture of blackmail, including the vault the National Enquirer had, I think that if we were able to tell the whole story, we would find out just how much influence that has had. Well, that's true. That, 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 and the that's 20, the how much picture, in the 20s It does have significance. And the 2016 election, I think, is made... It, 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 you can make more sense the 2016 election. If you put it, if you see it through a lens of multiple media members, multiple of whom have now been let go, uh, multiple media members being themselves under risk of being blackmailed. And we don't have all the facts underlying stuff, but we do know that there was blackmail material and we do know that a bunch of journalists have now been let go. What we also know is that uh, former governor of New Mexico, Bill Richardson, we do know that uh, former U.S. Senator, oh, geez, he was called the master of the universe. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, that there are multiple. Oh, come on, Jeff, remember his name, that there are multiple high level officials to say nothing. I mean, Donald Trump was a close friend of this guy and had hung out at parties with this guy. And the and, and of course, Bill Clinton has been mentioned. Uh, and and somebody who had a close relationship with him and was his lawyer 
uh, was in fact uh, was in fact Alan Dershowitz. And you, nobody could make any sense of why Alan Dershowitz was spending so much time and energy on being a, a Donald Trump confederate and supporter. But all of a sudden, something like this could make it make more sense. So I, I think understanding what's going on here and, and why exactly the left has seeded all the conspiracy theory space to the right on the subject of Jeffrey Epstein, I guess it's, as, as Matt Iglesias said, it's because there's so many high-trust people in the Democratic establishment, so many people who don't want to seem like Alex Jones uh, vendors of odd theories that uh, that there hasn't been as much discussion. But yeah, Dad, I'm not prepared to say, I do think there is, you know, our brains can spin off into crazy places. I do think that there's cessationalist risk. There's a reason why I didn't put it, we didn't put it, it was one of the first stories. But I do think it has some potential consequence and, and real consequence for the people who are impacted. Well, yeah, you're, you're right for that. If, if, if it turns out that they're un, beyond, beyond Epstein and... How does she pronounce her first name? I'm saying Gislaine. Might be Gislaine. Probably Gislaine. Might be anyway. Ghislaine. Might be Ghislaine. I don't know. If you want to text us and tell us how, 971-220-5979. Anyway, the, that if below that it turns out that there there really is bad conduct by significant people, and of course if, if it turned out that Donald Trump had enjoyed the favors of a juvenile, that would be very big indeed, although even that would probably not dent his, his, his evangelical base. Well, Dad, you have other stories you want to make sure we cover? Yes. A couple of international things I still want to mention. Piracy in the Gulf of Mexico, especially in the Bay of Campeche. And the Bay of Campeche is the, is the thing that is surrounded by the, the thumb that sticks out from, from uh, southern Mexico. Piracy is significantly up there. The Cuba, Cuba has doctors going to other countries to help them deal with COVID patients. They've treated thousands of COVID patients, apparently saved the lives of thousands of COVID patients. And why are they doing that? Because that gets hard currency back to Cuba, which Cuba desperately needs because they're no longer getting so much support from Russia. The Dalai Lama has an album out. So if you want to, you, you can get out, but he's not going to sing. He's going to talk to you. That's, that's just something people want to know. National news. DDT has said no, no work visas until the end of the year. Uh, but Apparently, that's not going to extend to folks. That, that may extend to folks on the upper ends, but it's not going to extend to folks who pick. We'll, we'll see how far they go. The CIA hackers, CIA, of course, has professional hackers, and it turns out the hackers weren't paying attention, and they allowed themselves to be hacked. And somebody has got into over a billion pages of secret stuff, the CIA because of hackers, it uh, the, the the cyber wars, wow. Or cyber, I just hope the cyber wars don't eventually lead to a hot war because it, it I my ignorance my ignorance of the whole cyber world just uh, has me watch, watching on with with amazement of what's happening there. 
Dad, human remains were found in a shallow Texas grave. They've been positively identified Sunday, July 5th as the missing Fort Hood soldier, Vanessa Guillen. Who was probably buried by the soldier who killed himself last week. U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command said that Guillen, age 20, was last seen April 22nd in the parking lot of her barracks at Fort Hood. Uh, the uh, Kawam was quoted saying Guillen was bludgeoned to death with a hammer in an armory room where she worked. Special uh, uh, Specialist Aaron David Robinson has been reported by the Killeen Police Department as the main subject, uh, excuse me, suspect, but after being confronted by investigators, Robinson shot himself on Wednesday. Uh, we do have a clip. Just because someone doesn't want to talk about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And today we're here to demand a congressional investigation of how the protocol was breached, how this family who deserves answers never got any. We couldn't even know the name of the person she worked with that day, who we understand is the person who killed himself. What planet are we on? It's wrong. We need transparency. That was Vanessa Kawam. Kawam State investigators have made the Guillen family aware of a woman identified as Cecily Ann Aguilar who was called to help Robinson dispose of the body. Aguilar is the estranged wife of a former soldier of Fort Hood. She's currently in Bell County Jail awaiting charges, according to the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command. Uh, Dad, do you think that the U.S. Army is trying to keep things quiet here, or do you think it's just a hard case to try to figure out? It could be, it could be a little of both, or it could be a lot of both. Well, Governor Kate Brown met with the Oregon State troopers who refused to wear their face masks in a Corvallis coffee shop. She met them at her residence in the Ellis Lawrence designed governor's mansion, Mahonia Hall. Dad, did you catch that story? Oh yes, I did, and and. I think the governor should be highly complimented for trying to handle it in that way. I, 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 I'd like to have been a mouse in the corner to look at the body language of the, the three. Well, we members. saw their picture, and the body language was sitting at attention. Uh, there was something more important in the picture. I believe that picture was the reason for the meeting, and I'll explain that. But, Ed, here were the interesting things. Did you see the video, and did you see how many officers were in the Corvallis coffee shop? I did see the video. Do you remember how many officers were there? Well, the, the, there were two. There were two different contingencies, and I think the total total came to six or seven. The, I saw four. I saw four in the video. Did you see how there many people? Four in the video. I think there were. I think there were three at another at, at another time. Did you see how many? Ahead. Did you see how many people were meeting with her? It was three. Yeah, I thought it was three. The what that who that and, and I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing that the one that uh, it, it was not there is the one who said dirty words the governor. Yes, the one who said f the governor I think was not pictured. The other thing I noticed from the picture was not only three instead of four. The other thing I noticed was guess what they were all wearing in the picture. In one they're in uniform and in the other they're in mufti. They're wearing masks. Oh, of course. So the reason they did that meeting, I mean, you know, it's, it's, they, had, they had to do something. There's press awareness, et cetera. But I think one of the reasons to do that meeting is so that they can do a picture of those officers wearing masks. 
bringing them to heel and sending a signal, hey, folks, just because you're a state police officer, just because you say F the governor doesn't mean you have to don't, wear ma- don't have to wear masks. In fact, it means you're going to wear a mask and we're going to tweet it out. We're not going to invite press over to listen to the conversation. We don't need to do that. We can take our own picture and we can put it out on Facebook, which is what they did. Now we got time for maybe another story and you're straw on the wind. Okay, well, I've, I've, first I have a factoid. I want to share the factoid that for folks who don't like to have government benefits for poor people because charity ought to take care of it. The average percent of their fortune that the 20 richest Americans contributed to charity in 2018, which is the last year in which records are available, the average percent that they contributed to charity, 0.8%. Less than 1%. They... uh, the Bible says you're supposed to do 10%. You're supposed to pay a tithe. They didn't come quite close to that. And then just some other, some other COVID news is worth mentioning. DDT says we've got it handled. And he says we've got it handled because, after all, we're now just setting new records almost every day for new people sick. And over one half of the states are going up rather than down. The... The other other immunizations are plummeting, maybe just because everybody's staying home. One of the biggest losers for COVID are handicapped folks who have the virus because the handicapped folks don't get visitors, and handicapped folks really, really, really need visitors. An intriguing thing in today's paper, this morning's news, is that they're working hard to come up with a something that you uh, just a strip of, that you can put in your mouth and then put in a, a, a gel and it will tell whether or not you have have the virus with the idea that they could get everybody I mean literally everybody to do that regularly which would very quickly identify and and so if you if the strip turned the wrong color and it appeared you had it, you then would immediately be eligible for the more sophisticated test to confirm it, and then you could be quarantined. But something has to happen to reverse the trend that is going on. Something has to happen. We got a question in that I need to answer, and we're we're running past, Dad. This is what I know. Like when when you say, "Oh, today we have, we're going to have a full like an hour and eighteen minutes," and it's still, it, you know, it still won't be enough uh, for. And that's not because an hour and a half would be enough. Uh, I, I heard on your show that IP fifty seven proponents did not get the needed signatures by last Thursday, so they're in court trying to get an extension. What court does the court have a deadline? And the answer to that first question is it's federal court. And the question, the follow-up question was then, well, why federal court? Well, the reason is that's the that's the action. It's saying that it is a violation of federal law. That in fact, it is federal law that requires uh, that could trump state law to make it more possible. I haven't found the precedent yet. I am told that there is precedent uh, when there is a cataclysm to delay signature gathering for ballot initiatives. But we'll see what happens. But Dad, we got to get to a straw in the wind. Straw in the wind. A straw. The number of years by which the average age of a North or South American nation leaders has increased since 1950, 10 years, got older. 
by the average age of a European nation's leaders has decreased since then, two and a half, and the number of European nations whose leader is 45 years old or younger, 15. That's a very interesting straw in the wind. Well, Dad, we did it one more time. We have indeed. And be sure you ask Tim about the Prime Minister of France. I'm sure he'll bring it up even if I suspect to bring it up even if I don't ask. But I'll remember. All right, Dad, I love you. Thank you a lot. See you Thursday.